With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nothing says home more than family and friends around the table, especially when the food is from Fairway. High quality hand-cut meats, fresh produce, and affordable pricing. Be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source. Refreshingly Fairway. Welcome back, Hawkeye fans, for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation Basketball Podcast. I am Rob Howe of Hawkeye Nation, joined as always by uh, Greg Bruner, uh, the Iowa Hawkeye all-time leading rebounder. Um, That's how I remember him. (laughs) (laughs) And other ways, too. There were certainly more memories than that. But uh, how are you doing tonight, Brew? I can't complain. Just finished up our, uh, we had our second grade practice. And uh, so just finished that up tonight and get the kids to bed. The the wife's out with some friends. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how to, what I got to do for the rest of the night. <laughs> I love that image. We sh- I wish we had video of the big tough uh, enforcer, the basketball rebounding enforcer in the lane, Reading bedtime stories and doing baths and all that other stuff. It's uh, and I just, and I just folded a pile of laundry. It's kind of I've, <laughs> I've been dom- domesticated, that's for sure. <laughs> we all are, my man. We all are. Um, yeah. Today and was it's... a little bit fun because I, I got to practice with them a little bit because we were doing we only have eight kids and we were doing a five on five drill. So we um, we have four coaches that played uh, collegiate basketball. So we have a pretty good group of kids and it's fun. And so I got to practice with them a little bit and. I ran over my son on accident, so I need him, and I elbowed him in the back of the head and put him to the floor. He got back up and was laughing, so and I hit him pretty hard. I felt bad, so uh, that's a good sign. And, and he, I'm sure he learned, that he, could, he learned that he shouldn't get in the way when the train's coming down the tracks. So <laughs> I was happy he was boxing me out, and uh, and I just didn't see him, and I just kept running forward, and he came over to box me out, and I just I clipped him pretty good, and but. 270 pounds against 60 pounds. I think I win that battle. <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but I'm, I coach my third grade daughter, uh, Kyle Galloway and I, his daughter and our, my daughter are in the same grade, same class. And uh, so he and I, he's the head coach. I can't be the head coach, but we coach our daughter's third grade team and it's a ball, man. It's so fun to watch those kids play. It's, I get a kick out of it. Yeah, it, it's a blast. I I feel bad because I mean, like I told you, we got four kid, four dads that played collegiate basketball. So I mean, our kids are. We've been working. I I despise the AAU circuit stuff for young kids. Like kids should play with their friends and and all that. So like I have we 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 have a good group. We have three really good teams in Norwalk, and parents do a good job of kind of joke coming in and coaching. And the thing I like about it is that we've had these kids since they were in preschool and kindergarten. So we started them on Saturday mornings. Uh, at no cost or it was like 12 cents a session so we could pay for the insurance and uh, we just did fundamentals it grew it went from like 20 
four kids to 50 kids by the next year. And uh, so we just do fundamentals and we teach them the right way to play basketball, the white, right, right, how to pivot, how to do all the right things. And it's, it's, it, it was like, like we're playing, we had to move our, our team up to, to the third grade division. We actually just, we played a fourth grade team also um, because we, the, the kids are just, they're picking things up pretty, pretty fast now. Nice. And this is your oldest son? Yeah, this is my oldest. So he's eight, and uh, I've got a four and a half year old boy, and I've got a three year old girl also. So all right, it's gonna be a little bit different when I get the girl. I think I don't think I can say the things that I say in our timeouts and things like that. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got a son who I helped a little bit coach in soccer with, and it's definitely di- different with the with the third grade girls. But uh, like I said, it's a it's fun and it's nice to. It's it's great that the kids have you know people out there that teach them the game and play to play the right way. And I I still go to some high school games in the state and watch. You know I I enjoy it and, and I root for the in state kids, especially when they go to local schools, in state schools. Um, and uh, mostly most of the times, most of the games I go to, you're not going to find the athletes you're going to find in in Chicago or or the Bronx, but really fundamentally, fundamentally sound kids. And that's, that's because of the way they're brought up and, and the way they're coached up through the years. Yep. Oh, I, I loved it. Like we would go play, you know, like you just said that the teams from Chicago, the cities, the teams from inner city, New York, and they, we'd walk on the court and they would be laughing at us and we would blast. <laughs> we would absolutely blast people in AAU. I mean, we had a really good team. So I think I, we talked about this maybe last time we had like 30, 30 division one athletes, in basketball out of my 2002 class so it was an amazing class and it was just a lot of fun because we ended up having two teams and we would just go blast people and yep you're absolutely right is this we played fundamental basketball and we played the right way and that's that's what i really love is i mean I, and i just I, I the reason i don't like aau is just mom and dad organize everything and they uh they just go play and they don't care if they lose and uh they don't care if they play the right way they just want to get score points and so we structure it they got to play the right way so yeah, it's fun. Good deal. Um, well, we've delayed the inevitable long enough here talking about our <laughs> kids. It's time to talk some Hawkeye hoops and, uh, all is not lost. Um, talked to Ryan Creener today and he, he's just a, he's a really cerebral kid. He understands the game and he's, he's just a really, he's, uh, he's a fun kid to interview. And I asked him today, I was like, and, and we're recording this, uh, on, January 9th at 8.30 uh, in the evening central time for those that are listening to this at a different time, you know, if you're listening to it after the Maryland game or whatever, um, which is tomorrow night. But Ryan said, you know, we, we, and I, and I know it wasn't as prevalent when you played, but I know that I know these guys now here when they're on campus, but more so social media from family, what people on the outside of the locker room are saying. And I could tell I'm talking to Ryan. He's like, yeah, I, you know, we hear that because we have these injuries that people say the season's over and all that. And we just use it as motivation. There's nothing we can do about the injuries. We just have to go ahead. I, I don't know if you can relate to a situation where, where you've had this, these, this many key members of a team injured and having to get through that. But I'm sure you've played on teams where there have been significant injuries that you have to get through. Yeah. I mean, if you remember my sophomore year, we were down. We didn't have Alaska. Um, Pierre was gone. Uh, we, we were down to the seven scholarship players. That's right. 
Um, and we ended up getting fourth in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten was a little bit down that year, too. Um, we, we got bounced the first round. But, I mean, we, we started two sophomores. And, I mean, Sean Sonnelider ended up leaving, like, right at the end of the season. Jared Reiner got hurt. I don't know. I don't remember what even Brody Boyd played. But, yeah, we, we ended up – Josh Kim came off the bench. Kurt Spurgeon played for us some. We, we, yeah. we, were, we were the bare minimum. So, we didn't really have any upperclassmen that were out there doing the thing. And, and to be honest with you, when you're young – and this is a terrible thing to say, but when you're younger, that's the best thing for you. It's just like, hey, you, you know, you, you, usually when upperclassmen come, you play a role. But when all the other upperclassmen are gone or hurt, then it's time to step up and play the right way and, and – and so we had that opportunity. And he's right. The season's not over. We got kids that will fight. We played. Going on the road and trying to get a win in the Big Ten is not easy. Going going to Nebraska, who's kind of got their back to the wall, um, it's not easy to go in there and play. Uh, playing at Penn State, who's a rake team, and playing the way we did. And we lost it down the stretch, and that, that's what basketball is. And it's, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with this, this team. We make shots. We win that game there at Nebraska by – 15 points we just didn't make shots that night so i think about i think they'll bounce back there's going to be ups and downs it, it maybe isn't going to be the season that everybody thought it was going to be but i think they're still going to make us proud they're going to fight they're going to do the right things yeah well i want to dig into that a little bit more and some strategic things that nebraska did but i was talking to, to joe Wieskamp today who shot one for 10 in that game iowa was four for 33 overall those are shots Joe normally makes. Not all of them. He's not going to shoot 10 for 10 from three every night, but three or four of those, he makes three or four of those, and the game's completely different. It's weird, and I don't know if this was like this when you played. He was talking me to, to me today, excuse me, about the basketball. Uh, uh, Nebraska is an Adidas school, so they use a different basketball than what Iowa uses, which is a Nike school, and uses Nike balls. And he said people probably don't think it's that big of a difference, but it is. There's a different feel to the ball. Can you speak to that at all? Oh, it's absolutely true. Uh, Wisconsin's the worst. You go up there and you play, and I don't know what company it is, so it's a good basketball, so I'm not degrading the company, but you go and you play across the Big Ten, and you, you play with solutions, and you'll play with Nikes, and you'll play with just different types of basketballs that are very similar. Um, but then you go play at Wisconsin where the basketball is like a brick, and it's just completely different type of basketball. And I – I hated playing up there when you got a hold of that thing because it's just it's not the same. Um, and he's right. I mean, it's not. A, I mean, it, it can throw you off, but you usually can adjust pretty quick. But that's one of the hard things. Is just, I mean, the ball, the, the the weight, everything's a little bit different. How it feels, everything's a little bit different. Um, and when you go from uh, from place to place, uh, I I didn't shoot a lot of threes, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Maybe that's the reason I missed all those free throws. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I. I see what he, he is true. It is true. It, there is a, there is a big difference when you're shooting different styles of basketball. Um, it's just a feel how it comes off the finger, the weight, the ball in the air. You shoot a lighter ball on a regular basis. You're going to be end up short because your, your body, you just don't have time to adapt to the new basketball, the weight, everything, but they've all played enough basketball that they can pick it up quick enough. So. Yeah. And, to be clear to the listeners, Joe was not using that as an excuse. It was just a discussion we were having about the going from, you know, basketball to basketball on any given night. And I think Wisconsin's Under Armour, not that I'm looking to plug their their brand, <laughs> but I, I think they use they may use Under Armour. So it used to be some off brand that made balls in Wisconsin. And it was, yeah, it, it, it just it wasn't a bad basketball. I mean, it felt right, but it just 
I mean, it's round and it dribbled. That's all I cared about. But it's just, it was, it was like a brick, and it was just so much heavier than every other basketball. Um, we'll skip. We'll bounce around here between the two, the the, the Penn State and the and the Nebraska game from the other night. But specifically, I, I think, and I and I understand how fan, when fans view this and, and view these things that that it's more about what their team is doing and not what the other team is doing. But I, you got to tip your cat cap to Fred Hoiberg. He, he does not have a good basketball team. He's rebuilding that thing. And he said it after the game, he was fully and readily admitted that their only chance to win the other night was to just pack the paint, do what they could to, to limit Garza and let Iowa shoot three pointers. And, they were fortunate. Iowa did not got Iowa missed early, and that kind of just it seemed to snowball. They never got comfortable shooting from the outside, um, and then they became tentative. And you know how that goes. But when you saw that the other night, Brew, what what Nebraska did, I, I don't think that every team's going to do that because they know that Iowa's going to have the shooters to to beat them. Maybe not as much without C.J. Frederick, and we'll get to that later, but. What can Iowa do better when Luke is seeing triple teams? Because he was seeing tr- three and four guys the other night. No, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I know what that feeling is like because we didn't shoot it very well my senior year. And when you start getting people around you at all the time, it's, it's, it's really tough. And especially on the road, we didn't shoot it well. At home, it was always a different story. You, you usually shoot a lot better percentage at home. So when you go on the road and they, and they pack it in, it's, it's difficult. But the thing that I didn't think that they did a very good job of, uh, especially the Nebraska game relative to what they have done really well all season, is they made the right pass to get the ball to the right angle. Because uh, Luke is so good at creating angles. And it, it, it's harder. It's like they, they didn't trust that, 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 that motion. If they would move the ball around, he could get to that angle, and it's just a bang-bang. It's quick layups. It's, you, when you're getting double-team and triple-teams, you can't – it's not a post-up situation. It's, it's isolations – to get the ball quick and go up real fast. And he does such a good job of that. Um, Cause you'll see him, he's working guys up the paint from the start. So he's, he's always got the position, but the thing that they, I think they struggled with a little bit is they didn't get, it's like they got so nervous because they were so wide open. It's like, do I shoot, do I pass? And it just stalled them enough that they couldn't get the ball to the next pass. And when you're pressured, you're instinctively, it's like, okay, I got a guy on me. I'm going to pass it. And the ball moves quicker. And I thought that, that stall of that ball movement is what caused a lot of those double teams to be successful because he could never, especially as a post player, you have um, milliseconds to, to maintain an angle and gain, gain an advantage. And if you don't get the ball in that segment, then it's gone. So that advantage is gone. So then you got to work and find positions for the next pass. So he, if you watch him, he's always working two passes ahead of where the ball is actually at. And I, and I really think that the biggest downfall of that game was they were, they were just so out of it because they didn't like there was no pressure. There was nobody telling, like showing them, like, okay, I gotta move it, I gotta move it, I gotta move it. And it, it that's what caused a lot of the disruption for Luca. Um, because when they got him the ball in the right angles, he did what Luca does. So I would say that was the biggest assessment I, I could take off of that. It was just it it threw him off kilter more the more the guards than it did even Luca. I feel like they just they just can never create the right angles. Yeah, great points. And and thinking through the game now in my head as you describe that, it, it definitely it makes a lot of sense. And in, again, talking to Ryan Creener uh, today on Thursday, 
January the 9th, he was saying it was so bizarre. It, it was, I think that game plan threw them off, as you said, Brew, because Creener's like, we went to go, like I'd moved to go screen somebody and they wouldn't be there because they'd be on Luca or in the paint. Yeah. They, there was nobody to screen. He goes, so then you're trying to reset and try to rescreen somebody that's not there. So in addition to not only what they were doing with the guards, they weren't really paying attention to like Pemsel and yep. Creener and guys like that either. Yeah, uh, yep. It, it, it's junk. That's what junk defenses do. Um, is they throw you off, and it's not so much the disruption of what, like a like a a, de- a defensive mindset like that. It it, it we, they don't want Creener to get the ball, but the junk defenses they, they cause more issues for everybody else around it, in my opinion. And if they play strategic, like. Uh, for those situations, if Creener were to get the ball in the high post, if he goes into a dribble handoff, and then it's it's two on one every single time because their guys the guys guarding them are out of position. But it's just he they it's so in- instinctive. You've been ingrained like this is the offense. This is how we play the offense, and you don't break the offense because you're trying to do something. But there's you, you almost just, it's it's a junk basketball game because it's it, it's not real basketball because what they're doing is is all they are is trying to disrupt you and. If they can do that, they're going to win the game. Iowa doesn't doesn't utilize a lot of pick and roll, but is that a way to to free Luca up some? Um, yeah, I think he's good in it. Um, the 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 big issue is is on pick and rolls. If you don't have guards that can shoot it consistently, they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna. It, it's not as effective. Um, right. and it and it's almost like you just got to shoot it to make them honest, and. Uh, and that's that's the hard part too. Is that, uh, on early pick and rolls, if you're picking quick shots, you're never in your offense. And and if you make them, you're going to win the game. But if you miss them, you're never going to get you're never going to get really into the flow of your offense. And you could see that's the type of stuff that was happening to them. I like dribble handoff in those situations because it still creates emotion. Um, and, mm-hmm. and the and the ball, I mean, because you you still have the the sling angles for everything. Um. That's one of the things that we used to really, really do to people when they when they start throwing these junk things at us is, and then and then it creates people they have to pressure you because you're, you're essentially you have two options you can shoot you can pass and or you can attack the basket the big man can out of it so it it, it helps in that in that respect. Yeah, it's I guess it's similar to football. If you can't run the football, the play action doesn't work. If you're not hitting shots the guards aren't hitting shots. It doesn't really threaten the defense to have to honor that. They can just stick with Luca no matter what he does. Yeah. And I laugh because, like, I had somebody come up to me today, a friend of mine, he's like, gosh, if Luca Garza would have played well in Nebraska, <laughs> we would have won the game. And I look at him, I'm like, if you would have told me a 16-18 and 18 game is a bad game, then I would I would have never played basketball because, I mean, that's those are numbers right there. I mean, 18 rebounds. That's that's phenomenal, especially when you're fighting four uh, four guys on every single possession. And yeah, so I wouldn't say that one was on Luca. I mean, you can't really put that loss on anybody. But it's just if that's where we come in, in an assessment, I I'm gonna struggle as a fan because <laughs> our fan base is a little out of touch with reality then. If that's the case. And for those that did not pick up on this, and and Frank Garza, Luca's dad. Respond. I think tweeted this the other night, or it was on some social media where he mentioned that Luca was fighting a fever, and we we talked to Luca about that today, Thursday, 
And Lucas said, yeah, I've felt miserable the last few days. So he was playing with that on Tuesday and, and yesterday. He said he started to feel a little bit better today. And Connor McCaffrey was throwing up all Sunday. So, you know, this team is just – and save it – save the people tweeting at me saying that there's nobody's making excuses. There's no excuse – no, they're not they're not excuses, but they are reasons. When you're down that many players and you have guys that are sick, those are reasons why you're not playing at your best. So a little bit yep. of my soapbox there. <laughs> I I actually I, I, I always joke. I always felt I always have my best games when you're sick. But you it it wipes you out for a yeah. week afterwards because when you're sick, you never try to do more than what you do. It's just like, I'm exhausted. I don't feel well. I'm just going to stick to what I do. And it's like when you're – I'm like, why don't I think like that and play like that on a regular basis? I, it's like I, I, you never try to do too much. And it seems like the game always goes well when you're sick because you're just letting the game come to you. Um, but, no, it's not fun playing sick. I've, I've been there, done that. And for folks that are maybe listening to this uh, either Thursday night or, or Friday on commutes or whatever um, – as I was saying throughout the podcast, we had a press conference today with Fran McCaffrey and his players. Um, ask Fran at the beginning of the press conference if there were any updates on uh, C.J. Frederick's stress reaction in his foot. Uh, Fran said he's still in, in a boot, does not expect him to play Friday night against Maryland. And then he kind of finished his comment with, it doesn't look good. And, and just body language and Doing as long as I have, you can kind of read people a little bit. And uh, I think CJ's probably going to be out for a while and would not be surprised if they shut him down for the season because I mean, people can Google this too, but and I, I've talked to some, some medical people about this. The stress reaction is swelling inside of the bone of the foot that can turn into eventually a fracture of the foot and then you're dealing with a major problem. So I yeah. think they're going to take their time with the kid and that's probably the right move when you say brew. Yeah. I mean, it, it, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's young. Uh, he's, he's, pa- he's past the, uh, the medical, right? So he couldn't medical redshirt, right? Well, he redshirted last year. Oh, yeah, so that's right. Yeah, he's that's already right. used that. And then, plus, if you were looking for a hardship, he already played, I think, 15 games this year, 14 yeah. or 15 yep. games. So, and that's past right. the halfway People point of the season, too, I think. So, whatever the rules are, it's going to be hard for him to get the extra year. So, if he can get back this year, you know, if he can, if he, if he is feeling well enough to get back, it's worth getting back because you're not ruining the red shirt, but you also don't want to push it. Yep, I, I would agree. Um, that's a fair assessment on that one. Um, the hard part is, it's like you're seeing a lot of these are old man injuries. It feels like, and you're seeing a lot of younger guys because they play so much basketball. Seeing a lot of younger guys starting to get some of the stuff I see a lot of my friends at, at an older age get. So that's what's that's what's scary with the amount of basketball these a lot of these kids are playing before even before college. So, yeah, I hope. I mean, I I, I think he'll bounce back. He'll be fine. He'll be good to go. So it's a long season. Yeah, and he's a huge loss, not only his ability to shoot, but I, he's a good passer. He, he's underrated on defense. He, he's, a, he's a pest on defense. So it's going to probably take a couple of different guys maybe to, to fill into what he does. Fran did say today that Austin Ash, who's a walk-on from Mount Vernon, I believe his third year, maybe his second year, kid's a light out, lights-out shooter. He's not going to uh, he's not gonna make anybody forget um, – 
you know, Gary Payton on the defensive end. See how old? I used the old reference there, the glove. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people listening to this probably don't even know who the heck Gary Payton is. But um, so I think Fran's probably just going to have to mix and match here. And and it it seems like, I don't know if you can tell this on TV, Greg, but it looks like he's trying to figure out with with all these guys missing different lineups that are going to work in given situations. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, is outside of Luca, you don't really have uh, Joe. I would say, uh, Weezy's probably the, a, a solid three man. Um, right. Can play the two a little bit, but you don't have anybody that's an exact like that. Is what their position is. You got you got a lot of in betweeners in positions, um, and so that's another hard part. It's a good thing to have because now you can kind of fluctuate with a little bit of lineups. You can play guys that are a little out of position, and it's not gonna. Like, you know, putting Connor at the three or the four, he can get away with it. And so situations like that where you got tweeners, you can kind of bend the rules a little bit. But it, it, it also makes it hard because if one of those guys go down, I mean, we're, we're one more injury away. We're, we're very, very bleak on, on, uh, on, the, on the front court. So that's, what, that's what's scary right there. Yeah, and, and I, I think we saw, you know, in the Cincinnati game, we, we saw what Bakari Evelyn is – capable of and he's a he's a fifth year kid he's a graduate transfer he still seems like he's kind of feeling trying to feel his way a little bit sometimes he seems tentative he's a good defensive player and he does a lot of smart veteran type things but I think he's going to have to try to be a little bit more aggressive offensively because he and and I I think Joe Toussaint's aggressive he just he's going to have to work on his shot more um but Bakari has that. I mean, he shot 38, 39% his junior year uh, at Valparaiso. I, granted, it's not the same level, but you shoot it, you shoot it. I, he's got to find a way to get a little bit more comfortable with his shot, I think. Yeah, if I could match those two up and, and, and kind of put them together and then create two people and like take both their skill sets, yeah, I think they'd be like two perfect basketball players because Joe – the big issue I see about him is he's a, he's just a freshman. Um, so, and I tweeted this earlier. It's it's he every freshman thinks it's like okay, I see an open spot on the floor, I'm going to attack that, and it's exactly what the defense wants you to do. It's like it's open for a reason because that's where all the help is. And as you get older, you start to realize it's not so much that the spots open there that yeah, that's where they want me to go. So I have to go where they don't want me to go. So I got to attack and get to an angle that, that he's trying to not let me get to. So the hard part about Joe right now is he's he's so quick and so fast and so young, he's often going to the spot in which they're giving him, thinking that he's doing the right thing. But many times it's just it's getting himself into a spot where he, he loses all of his advantage. Mm. And then you often see him pull back the ball a lot. And it's just it's, it runs clock. It kind of breaks the, the fluency of the offense. Um, so that's one of the things that you see a lot of freshmen and sophomores do. And then as they get older, they kind of, um, they can, they can get away from that habit. So I'm hoping, like, I would love to see, I think Tuzan's got a body like Jacques Bond. Um, I think he's got potential to be a heck of a player. Um, he's, he's a, he's a really solid freshman and I'm really excited to see him as he gets older. So I think he, he the sky's the limit for the kid. Cause he's going to work his tail off. He's got a good body. He fights, he competes. And then, um, yeah, and, and you're right. You're, you're you're spot on on the other one. It's just he's got to get comfortable. He's playing the game. He's been playing forever. He's just got to get comfortable and go out and play. He's just he, he's thinking too much right now. 
you've seen Cordell Pemsel through the years, the in-state kid, and I know you've he's kind of a uh, junkyard dog in there, kind of you know crafty around the rim, um, you know smart player. He doesn't look right to me. I know the back was bothering him earlier this year. He's coming off a knee surgery from last year. He just does not look right to me. Um, I don't know. What are you seeing there? Uh, probably a little out of shape. Um, he's in there. He's fighting. But, you know, it's similar. It's, it's, I, don't, I just don't know if he trusts himself to the full capability. I mean, being out of year, it's not easy to come back to. I mean, I was out 90 days, or no, I was out uh, 120 days, and coming back from that, it was just like I had never played basketball before. So it's timing, it's a little bit of everything, and he was never going to be, uh, you know, the a first-team All-Big Ten player or anything like that. He, I mean, he probably had potential before the injuries and everything, but it's just one of those situations. He's just kind of he's trying to find a role, and his role keeps changing within the team because of all the injuries. So I just think he hasn't really ever been comfortable yet. So he has potential. He just needs to figure out that role and, and do one or two things extremely well instead of trying to do multiple things just well. Yeah, I want to build off that, Bru. I, I wonder just when roles change, how much that impacts a team. Because I think people, maybe fans focus on, okay, it's a shorter rotation, so guys are getting tired. And there's so many timeouts now and stoppages of play. I, I think these guys are at a high enough level athletically where eventually maybe you get worn down a little bit. And if you're playing at the Palestra where it's, you know, 900 degrees in there, and eventually that's probably going to get to you a little bit. But but how much do, does role change, you know, constant role change as this has happened this season? And then just chemistry. I would think that those are two big areas that, you know, have to get solidified. Yeah. So I, I, it's always easier to play when um, there's the, it's a shorter bench uh, because when you're playing and you're not thinking, cause like, if you make a mistake every time you, I've played in scenarios where I have free reign and I, I have really good seasons. I play in scenarios where I'm more of a role player. And if I make a mistake, I'm coming out of the game. It's really hard to play that type of basketball just because you never, you want to be on the court, so you're never going to be ultra. You're never going to be that aggressive. And I'm an aggressive player. Um, you, you, you drop that a little bit because you're afraid if you make a mistake, you're going to come out and you don't get a play. And that's the hardest thing to deal with as an athlete is just not playing. Um, and so the chemistry portion of it, it's it's these guys have been around each other long enough that they, they should be comfortable playing against each other and, and playing with each other. There's no, I don't see that as a big issue. Okay. Um, and now the bench is so short, I think that these guys should be comfortable. They're going to get the extended minutes now, especially some of the guys that weren't before. So they should have start to build that confidence there. The, the in-shape thing, I think it's easier to play 32, 34 minutes a game than play 18 minutes a game. Um, and the problem was is you, you also had to pace it a little bit. So, I mean, Luca playing at 35 minutes a game, he can't get in foul trouble. We get in a lot of trouble if he gets in foul trouble. So he's right. got to play a little bit more strategic than um, some of the other guys. So he can't make dumb fouls or, and some of the other guys can play a little bit aggressive, but I don't, I, I like the, the shorter bench. It just, it's easier, especially as a frontline guy, um, you can kind of maintain it playing the game, but you're right. You do get gas, especially, you know, they, they went to uh, Pennsylvania and then they went to Nebraska. I mean, two back to back road trips and they've been on the road a lot. It's tiring. These aren't small guys. So I mean, putting in a, uh, fitting in a plane is not easy for a lot of these guys too. So. That's a good point, and I think it was like eight to ten thousand miles they put on from like Thanksgiving to 
that trip out to Rutgers or uh, excuse me, out to Philadelphia to play Penn State. So, yeah, it will be nice for them to get. I believe four of the next five are at Carver. So um, maybe get a little, you know, sleep in your own bed, be around, you know, your family, stuff like that. I think probably help with them a little bit. Uh, One more. We'll wrap this up, Brew. Um, What should fans be looking at here this next stretch? Let's say tomorrow against Maryland, Tuesday at Northwestern, and then a week from tomorrow, a week from Friday, Michigan comes to Carver. What are you kind of looking for to, to make you, I don't want to say feel better, but know that, okay, we're okay. This, this team's going to be okay. And looks like it's going to be able to push forward. I mean, just body language. Um, If you, if you're seeing guys get after each other, I'm fine with that. Um, Cause it's, go, it's holding guys accountable um, to do the right thing. I have no, I've never been, uh, your brother's on the court. So you're supposed to fight a little bit because that's, mm-hmm. that's just showing that you care. Um, so I've never had a problem with that type of environment. I mean, that's the majority of my teams I've been on. We've, that's the way we play. We play physically, we play that way. I would say it's just, it's going to be body language. I mean, if, if you act defeated, you are defeated. Um, and I, if they, if they come in and, and, and say Maryland's a tough game and they get trounced by Maryland, which I don't think was going to happen. And the next game they come back out and they're fighting still, I, that's all I want to see. Um, and I'm hoping Majority of the fans are the same way in that aspect. It's just continuing to watch and just if they play our style of basketball, where they're fighting and they're and they're and they're wearing that jersey with pride, I'm okay with it. Um, but if they come out and you know what puppies or something like that, that's that's harder for me to swallow. Um, and I don't anticipate them doing that. Fran's not that style. I don't think you'd ever let that happen. So, I mean, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to young. They're gonna, they're they're young in some spots. So our, our freshmen are going to make some 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 tough choices and and now they're gonna have to lean on a little bit of a bench that's probably never been never played and probably shouldn't be playing a lot of in the spot minutes at the end of the game maybe so in that in that aspect of the fans are going to continue to support them that's all that's all they need i mean it's going to be a tough time but i think they can bounce back and they can play through it and we have seen great points bro um we have seen this year how hard it is to to win on the road so, Iowa fans, you have an opportunity, and I know there are plenty of good tickets left tomorrow night for that Maryland game, and then a week from tomorrow, Michigan. You're talking about two top 25 teams come to Carver. You get behind your team, you give your team a little bit of a nudge as the Iowa players were playing against re- recently and, and in this stretch here. So, back your team. Don't, don't give up on the season. As Bruce said, I think this is a group that's going to fight to the end, even if they're shorthanded. Uh, and it's a fun team to watch. So uh, that will do it for us in this podcast, but we will be back soon, maybe after the Michigan game. Um, maybe before that, we'll see how our schedules work out, but we will uh, be back and talking more Hawkeye basketball. And uh, hopefully we're talking about some win wins. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.